Welcome to the Victorian Parent Council VPC Parent Podcast Series. VPC is a registered charity organisation dedicated to everyone who support parents in educating their children. I'm Jackie Vanderveld, your host today. Hello and welcome to the Victorian Parents Council live event. This is a post-recording of the event that happened with our special guest, Dr. Marie Yap from Monash University. Well, good evening and welcome to this VPC live with Dr. Marie Yap. Uh, my name is Jackie Vanderveld and I will be the host this evening as we have our chat about anxiety and everyday, everyday anxiety and what we can do as parents to help our children. Um, now, I've got Marie's bio and I always need my, my glasses for this because there's lots to read, Marie. <laughs> Um, Marie is an Associate Professor and Psychologist at Monash University. She is passionate about translating research evidence into resources that parents can access to help promote their children's resilience and protect them from mental health and substance misuse problems. She has developed personalised online programs to empower parents with evidence-based skills and strategies as part of her Parenting Strategies Program with the aim of reducing the risk and impact of mental health conditions in children and young people. She's a mum to an energetic eight-year-old and a 12-year-old who she swears is turning 16. Um, and we've had Marie with us um, a few times this year and it's been, it's wonderful to uh, have her with us again. So um, Marie, welcome. And uh, it's another VPC, another VPC live. It's so good to have you with us. Great to be here. Good to see you again, Jackie. So, Marie, I'm going to hand over to you because I think you've got a bit of a presentation for us to start with and then we'll uh, we'll launch into some questions after that. Yep, great. Thanks, Jackie. So, good evening, everyone. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to start off with just an introduction to what anxiety, everyday anxiety is and, um, and then make some distinctions between what... Um, what everyday anxiety is that we all experience from time to time. Um, and when it becomes um, more of a problem um, and starts to interfere with our lives. And if that's happening with children, what, as, what we as parents can do to help them. So <clears throat> just um, starting off with just a broad concept of anxiety, um, as most of you well know, it's a part of life. Um, and just like uh, many other emotions that we feel day to day, like happiness, joy, um, uh, anger, and sadness, anxiety is, is an emotion that is very much part of, of um, human life. Um, and we do know is that um, anxiety at, um, at low to moderate levels um, is actually quite adaptive and can be very helpful in terms of motivating us in helping us to um, stay focused on a task at hand um, that is important and possibly urgent. Um, and, um, and, and, in, and in some ways, um, low levels of anxiety can also keep us on the right track. So it actually has, has, has great benefits. Um, of course, we know that um, there are also certain levels of anxiety um, when we pass a certain threshold, um, when it starts to have an impact on our lives. Um, so that's when it feels more like a foe than a friend. So a lot of um, a, a very common question that, that um, parents ask um, when it comes to trying to work out what's normal um, anxiety in, in their child or their adolescence and, and when it crosses over to something that's more concerning um, 
it, it, it's, it, is, it is a challenge to distinguish between the two, and that line does seem very fine. Um, so, so what I might start off with is to talk about, what, talk about what's normal, and, and I'm focusing primarily on adolescence, and perhaps you could also think about it as pubertal, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of normal developmental changes that you see in your children as they um, hit puberty and go through that process of um, transitioning into an adult. Um, so, so as you will well know, um, you know, as, as, um, as your child grows, um, there, there are lots of hormonal changes that would occur. Um, we know that the adolescent phase of life, um, there's lots going on in their, in their little brain. Um, and, and it's second only to the first couple of years of life when there's just so much um, that's changing and, and um, reshaping inside that brain. Um, and, and one thing that is um, quite clear from research um, in the past few decades is that um, the part of our brain which helps us to manage our emotions and um, to make wise decisions, you know, considered decisions, um, is the last part of our brain to, to, um, to develop fully um, and really isn't mature till around mid-20s. And some people now believe into um, late 20s as well. So um, as you think about uh, what's going on in your teenager or perhaps preteen, um, you, might, you might realize that, you know, they, um, they do experience more frequent and um, sometimes more intense negative feelings than they, they, they did um, as a younger child. Um, but their ability to manage these feelings for the, the very reason I just said about the brain development, um, that part of their brain is not quite mature. So their ability to manage those emotions is a bit still, still quite childlike, um, so to speak. And then in the midst of their social life, um, as they... Um, start to move towards adolescence, um, there's expanding social circles, you know, so from just being within your family to being at school and interacting with kids in the classroom to broader circles in extracurricular activities, and then that keeps expanding. Um, and, and we do know that um, as children uh, move into high school, for, for example, that stage of adolescence, they have increased time away from family, you know, whether that's longer days at school because of additional activities and commitments that they might have. Um, and, and also because peers become such a big part of children's lives at that stage, um, they do have more, you know, kind of um, intentional time away from family in that, in that sense. Um, and at the same time, within themselves, uh, the young person is also becoming um, more sensitive to other people's opinions and especially peers perhaps, um, and, and the importance of others' opinions and what others think of them um, starts to grow quite rapidly um, through, through that stage of development. And along with that, obviously, is that sense of self-consciousness, the sense of discovery about who they are, what they like or do not like about themselves, and there's, there's just so much going on in there. Um, so it's typical in the midst of all that, as you can imagine, that, you know, young people would feel um, those feelings, you know, um, that sense of being uncertain about themselves, perhaps some negative feelings, and, and feel that more intensely and more often than, than they might have um, prior to that. Sorry, wrong way. Um, so, so what I thought was a nice way to capture this that a lot of you are familiar with is from the movie Inside Out. So, so this is the um, in the inside the the brain of um, Riley's mom, um, you know the, the family that's the focus of the the movie, um, and as you can see from here, you know there's there's fear, um, and moving from left to right, there's fear, there's joy, 
sadness, anger, and disgust. And these are all the five kind of key emotions in, in the mom's brain. Um, featured here is that's the control panel um, for the, the mom's emotions. And, and you can see the way that the, the five characters are laid out there. They're all in, in, a, in a collaborative, um, consultative um, um, relationship with one another. You know, they're all you know, making decisions together about how the mom should respond to a given situation. This kind of is in contrast to what was happening in Riley's um, brain um, when, when she was facing certain challenges um, in, in her life, you know, where there's often a bit of a, a tussle across the five different emotions um, of who will control um, um, the emotional response that she, could, she would have in a given situation. And sometimes fear does take over. And, and I guess in that, in that regard, you know, it's kind of like there's anxiety that, that kind of starts to take over control and that, that is what's ruling um, our child's emotional responses. So I suppose what, what, um, what we would consider as um, uh, an important line to draw between normal anxiety and when it starts to be something that should, parents should have um, concern about and take action about is when the anxiety um, starts to interfere with your child's life. So think about the effects of your child's anxiety on their day-to-day -day functioning. So is it causing problems with their schoolwork? Um, um, is it causing them to refuse to go to school or get really upset when, when, um, when it's time to go to school? Um, they're falling behind in their work when that's not um, typical of them. Um, socially, are they cutting themselves off from friends um, um, whom they would otherwise have been close to or would um, usually like to hang out with? Um, are they cutting themselves off even from family? Um, and also in terms of what they would normally do, are they also um, starting to reduce um, um, their, their engagement in things that they would normally enjoy doing? Um, so these are kind of all signs of um, the anxiety starting to impact on their, their functioning. The other thing to consider is how long has the, the anxiety um, lasted in terms of the impact on, the, on your child? Um, has it you know, gone past you know, just a couple of weeks and starting to draw into months and the impact seems to be building up? Um, and, and if there was a spe specific trigger, um, you know, perhaps you know, the pandemic um, and the lockdowns, maybe that could have been a trigger for the child's anxiety. Um, but has that kind of just gone on and, and continued to deteriorate over time? Um, and, and I guess the other thing which is tied to uh, whether it has impacted on their functioning is how overwhelming is um, the intensity of their anxiety? You know, has it kind of just taken over um, and um, a bit like the, the picture of fear in Inside Out and, and the child is no longer able to kind of break out of that um, at will? So, um, you know, um, another typical question that, that parents have is, you know, what does anxiety actually look like, um, you know, when it comes to problematic levels of anxiety? So this is a really long list, um, which I won't go through um, in detail, um, and I'm happy to share these slides um, through VPC um, if you're interested. But um, th th there are a few different things that you can look out for, you know, and, and one of those is, you know, just um, behaviors that is out of character in your child, you know, so um, your child being more teary than usual, throwing more tantrums than usual, um, being excessively shy, that's not kind of typical of them, um, or um, kind of reverting back to behaviors that they would have, you know, outgrown that's not kind of typical of, of their age anymore, um, you know, like um, sucking their thumb and, and wetting their bed, um, biting their fingernails, or repeating certain behaviors, um, which again, is not typical um, of them. 
Um, and, and some children will also express their anxiety in terms of um, physical complaints, you know, so, so kind of um, unexplained recurring headaches, stomach aches, nausea, um, and then having um, difficulties with their sleep and their appetite. Um, and those are all, all other signs as well. In addition to the actual anxiety um, um, related situations, um, like um, avoiding social situations um, where, that, where they're meeting new people, um, going to new places or trying new activities and so on. Um, in a teenager, um, again, you know, it's, it's kind of similar types of, of um, things to look out for, but I guess um, more relevant to, to adolescents. Um, so, so the, the tearfulness might not be in, in the, in the way a little child would show it, but, um, is, is quite unusual of your teenager. Um, and perhaps, you know, for example, on school mornings, um, if it's related to school, um, teenagers could also, um, um, start to spend excessive time doing homework or engaging in tasks. Um, or expressing unnecessary concern that their work is just not perfect enough. Um, they might be constantly seeking reassurance from their parents um, or be more touchy and irritable than usual, um, which I, you know, um, noted, you know, is, is hard to distinguish from, from teenage moodiness sometimes. Um, and then, you know, just related to um, self-consciousness, as I mentioned before, but this is when they start to, um, it starts to kind of interfere um, with their, you know, ability to engage in, in social events and activities because they're spending too much time getting ready, worrying about what they will wear, worrying about what, might, what they might do or say, um, or pulling out at the last minute because they just basically just freak out and, and cannot bring themselves to do it. Um, and, you know, in some instances, the, um, the, the, the anxiety might be associated with cleanliness, um, so that might be you know repeated behaviors um, related to that, such as washing their hands. Um, and and again, that that's something which can be a bit hard to distinguish in COVID times, um, when that is essentially what we're all called to do. So um, so it's important to look out for some of these signs. Um, and as I mentioned, thinking about the interference in in your child's life, and also how long that's lasting, and and whether the intensity's um, built up to to a level that's overwhelming your child. So um, a lot of um, a lot of what I'm going to present for the rest of um, the this this time here um, is drawn from the content of um, set of parenting guidelines that um, is published in partnership with Beyond Blue. Um, and that's based on a, um, a thorough review of um, research um, studies that had been published um, for, for decades leading up to um, 2011, when we conducted the, the research then, um, and combining that with um, a study um, where we got international experts consensus about what parents should do if they concerned about um, reducing their child's risk of depression and anxiety, um, and in this instance, parents of teenagers. Um, so, so the compilation of parenting strategies that's presented in these sets of guidelines um, is, is drawn from those um, kind of research um, findings. Um, so, so in that sense, it's, it's a very rigorous um, set of strategies um, that, that we believe parents can take confidence in um, and, and believe and be able to enact them um, knowing that, that that would be beneficial to um, their child. So we have a parallel set of um, guidelines that's for parents of primary school age kids. Um, and for those of you who are teenagers and are concerned about alcohol use, there's also a set of guidelines on alcohol use. 
Um, so the, these guidelines, if you're interested, are available freely um, for download um, from the parentingstrategies.net website. Um, and again, the, the link will be shared um, in, in these slides. If um, VPC is able to circulate them, you're very welcome to get these guidelines. So talking um, just briefly about specific things that you can do as a parent um, if you are concerned about your child um, battling um, anxiety. Um, so for school-age child, um, sorry, primary school-age child, um, it's important, you know, to, to support your child um, um, knowing that there's something bothering them. And, you know, um, depending on how old your child is, you know, um, within that kind of 5 to 11 age range, um, you adapt, you know, how you approach your child, how you would encourage them um, to um, to to share what's bothering them with you. Um, what's important, obviously, is to let them know that you are there, that you care about what's bothering them, um, and you're there and available to listen. Um, some younger children, you might need to encourage them, um, you know, saying that, you know, if you share it with me, you know, we can carry it together, we can help work it out, um, and, and find, you know, find ways to help you feel better, you know, and, and kind of problem solve together that way. Um, the other thing to remember, you know, and, and perhaps even more so important in, in these challenging times that, that we are all um, living in um, is, is the fact that, you know, um, the pandemic has impacted a lot of families. Um, so for some families out there, um, you as parents, you might be, you know, carrying more burdens than you, would, um, you might have, you know, pre-COVID. Um, and, and it's been tough for yourself. Um, so it's important if you're starting to sh um, see signs of anxiety in your child to, to, um, to take action to manage your own stress levels, your own um, challenges um, outside of your interactions with your child as far as possible. So, you know, it's not just talking about kind of, you know, taking out your stress and, and frustration on your child, but also in some instances, um, parents might find themselves sharing um, their, their stress and worries with their child excessively um, to the extent that the, the child starts to feel that they have to carry their parents' burden as well. And, and that itself could be impacting on your child's anxiety levels. So if that's something that is bothering you, um, do encourage you to seek help yourself. Um, and um, the Head to Health website, um, which I referred to in the previous um, webinar, is, is a good source, good starting place. Otherwise, um, reaching out to your GP um, could also be a good place to start um, so that your, your problems will be handled by people who are able to handle them with you um, and that you free your child from that, from that role. Um, that, that's really critical. Um, you know, it, it might be worth considering perhaps this is not such a big thing at the moment because uh, most extracurricular activities are not happening um, or happening quite in, a, in quite a different way. But it's worth considering if your child is, is anxious um, to, to check their schedule again um, to make sure that within their day-to-day -day schedule, week to week, um, that there's plenty of time for them to rest, relax and recharge, um, to do things that they enjoy doing that's not, you know, that necessarily necessarily always structured and and purposeful in, in in the way that you know from your perspective might be really important um, make sure that your time does your child does have time um, to do what they enjoy um, and unwind um, it's important especially in times like this you know to um, help your child to to gain and feel um, that they have a sense of control in some things and they have a say in some things um, while at the same time um, helping them to accept um, that some things are beyond their control and will remain uncertainties. Um, so, you know, just working out with your child, you know, what 
what's something that they can control, what's something that they can influence, and to focus on doing that. Um, and you know, some examples could be you know giving your child a choice between one versus two, uh, one versus the other option, but um, essentially they cannot choose whether to do it or not. You know, if you have one or two options, you know, so it, that kind of you know day-to-day -day, um, kind of um, approach um, to to let your child know that they can still have a say, um, but there are constraints within which they, they would operate. So in a sense, in the broader scheme of things, you know, especially in pandemic times, um, it's important to work through that um, approach with your child as well um, to help them see that, um, yes, they do have a say in some things and that, that that's important and that's valuable. Um, but at the same time, to develop the ability to accept that there are some things that are beyond their control, beyond your control, um, and to... Um, be, be able to accept that and to work around that as well. And that, that's really important. Um, very important lesson in life, um, as, as we would all agree, um, going through the pandemic together. Um, the, the, the last point there um, is perhaps the most important point, and that's to help your child um, to manage their anxiety so that it doesn't actually become a problem. So as I mentioned, we all experience anxiety every day um, and the way we respond and manage our everyday anxiety is um, the biggest key to, um, to protecting um, um, our child from, from developing anxiety problems. Um, so there are a few, there are a few things that um, we can do. Um, and for example, um, the first thing that's central is that um, avoiding our fears avoiding what we fear is actually very counterproductive. So, you know, in a sense, the, the first instinct we have when we are afraid of something is to avoid it um, because we don't want to have to deal with that distress. And whether that's in ourselves or in our child, you know, as, as parents, it's very natural for us um, to be protective when our child is um, um, showing signs of being um, afraid or anxious about um, a situation or something. Um, so it's important to help your child understand um, that if they are afraid of something, it's actually really important that they learn to face what they are afraid of. Um, and it's not saying, you know, to throw them into the lion's den straight away, but, you know, to actually work out what it is they're afraid of um, and having a bit of, you know, if necessary, breaking it down into little steps to go, you know, if you're afraid of a spider, for example, you know, maybe, you know, we'll start with, um, we could start with looking at pictures of spiders without freaking out. Um, and then maybe we could, you know, if, if they're able to cope with that, maybe we could then move on to um, seeing a, a little um, rubber spider, you know, or a 3D picture of a spider. You know, so, so you're kind of taking little steps towards that and then maybe actually helping them to actually watch a little spider and, you know, a daddy long legs or something that, you know, is, is really quite harmless um, to, to actually help to to help your child to work their way towards actually facing what they're afraid of. Um, that is actually the most empowering thing, uh, empowering thing you can do to help your child to face their fears. Um, related to that, the second point there is to encourage your child to not let anxiety stop them from doing things that they um, are actually quite capable of doing. You know, and, and a typical example which we all face, um, you know, your child would face at school is you know make, maybe presenting something or or speaking up in front of the classroom, whether that's a, like a formal presentation um, or just putting their hand up to answer um, a question from the teacher. Um, so you know, it's it you know 
to encourage your child that, you know, you actually have an answer to, to the teacher's question, um, maybe for that once, you know, put your hand up um, and, and to actually help them to realize um, that they are able to do that and, and to um, fight that tendency to just not do it because they're afraid of um, putting their hand up, for example. Um, and then, you know, a, an important point as well, you know, for parents is to realize, um, importantly for young, younger children, but actually just as importantly um, for teenagers, um, that your children do watch what you do when you're anxious. Um, and, and whether we like it or not, whether we're, we, we recognize it or not, they are influenced by how we approach um, and face our, our fears and our anxieties. Um, so being a good role model is, is actually one of the best things we could do. You know, with our kids, we can be honest with them that we are afraid of certain things and we, we, we can and we should be honest with them about the strategies that we are taking to face and confront our fears so that we are actually no longer afraid of facing them. Um, the last point there um, is to, of course, to always have your toolkit. Um, and that's where, you know, either you actually tell your child, you know, the things that you do to help yourself manage your anxiety and help and encourage them to try those strategies as well. Um, but also find strategies that um, are age appropriate for your child that they could engage with. Um, and, and some things which, you know, um, most children and teenagers are able to learn and do quite effectively are things like deep breathing and slow breathing, um, which, which does help uh, when, when you use those strategies appropriately. Um, there's also uh, mindful meditation um, and other um, exercises like that with lots of different apps out there, which could be useful. Um, so, so some of those strategies, um, if you're able to help your child learn them and to practice them when they are not in the intense, anxious situation um, and to, to keep that as a toolkit that they could, could pull up um, when, when they are confronted with something that is causing anxiety for them. Um, if your child is a teenager, um, it's pretty much the same um, strategies, key principles there. Um, but just adding on top of that, um, as, as a teenager, it's um, perhaps even more important that they start to um, have more autonomy in using the strategies to confront their fears. Um, and, and, it, and your role as a parent when you have a teenager is to really encourage them um, but without pushing them. Um, so, you know, like a kind of a bit of a, a typical example that we give is, you know, you wouldn't, um, you wouldn't want to encourage, push your child to um, enter a singing contest if they are too anxious about singing in front of their own family. Um, you know, so, so it's kind of taking, um, taking, taking small steps and pacing them out. Um, and your role is to, to encourage and kind of support them along each step of the way. Um, praising is really important. Um, praising them for um, the efforts that they make, um, recognizing that it could be really confronting and quite challenging and sometimes even feel overwhelming for them to confront their fears. So praise every effort and every little um, step that they do take. Um, and to focus on, on the fact that they are actually making the effort to confront their fears um, and also encourage them to reward themselves when they are doing that. Um, to be supportive of your child, it's really, um, it's really easy sometimes um, when we are helping or encouraging our child to face their anxieties to, um, to get somewhat impatient, you know, um, or to kind of react to their anxious um, behaviors or, or expressions of, of fear um, by, you know, kind of telling them, oh, you know, stop being such a baby um, or, you know, um, just just suck it up and, and face it or do it, you know, so don't minimize or dismiss how they're feeling, validate that. 
um, and and remind them that it's really important that they face it and that you are there to support them to to confront that fear. Um, the other thing to remember is to not feed your teenager's anxiety, and that this applies to your child as well, of course. Um, and, and what I mean by that, there, there are two ways we could feed um, our, our child's anxiety. Um, one is to get really anxious ourselves, um, and, and, and as parents, that can actually happen quite easily you know so we really feel how our child feels and we kind of take that on board and we get anxious along with them so keeping in mind what I said earlier on um, your child does catch on to to how you feel and, and how you're behaving when you're confronted with something that's anxiety provoking um, so be very mindful of that and um, you know find ways to help yourself manage your your anxious reactions um, so that you can actually stay calm when your child gets anxious um, and then you're in a better position to support them the other um, the other um, way that we can feed our teenagers um, anxiety is by um, swooping in, so to speak, um, and trying to reorganize life as a family, life for your child, um, just to help them um, not have to confront their fear. So, you know, for example, um, uh, you know, a typical one with younger kids, for example, is, you know, if your child um, doesn't want to sleep um, in their own room, um, then um, if you try to, to kind of go you know it's okay you know you can do it you don't need to be um, afraid of sleeping in your own room um, I'll leave the light on for you I will leave the door wide open or you know if that still doesn't work just sleep in my bed you know so in the sense that's really easy for so, for parents to slip into because then at least we can all sleep right because otherwise if your child gets really upset and refuses to sleep on their own they might upset other kids that you have in in your home it might end up that not, no one else can sleep because they they're so distressed so you know it, it can almost feel like it's so much easier um to just reorganize things and just let them sleep in your bed um that will definitely you know that that might seem to work very well in the, in the short term but you know you're kind of setting yourself up for for other challenges in the long term as you can imagine so so that those kinds of um responses um is, is what you know um some some clinicians and researchers call accommodation and we're not talking about where we live but it's kind of being overly accommodating of, of our child's anxiety and um, what that does is it actually helps to um, it actually serves to reinforce um, your child's anxiety because it's actually allowing them to continue to avoid what they're anxious and afraid of um, so, so it's really important to be mindful um, to, to not engage in those types of responses um, and to find alternative ways um, to to respond to your child's anxiety. I've already talked about lead by example, so I won't touch on that again. Um, so, so just, um, I think that's my last slide, but um, just to, to let you know as well, um, if you have a teenager and um, this is a topic that um, is, is really quite of interest to you, um, we do have an online program that's currently freely accessible to all parents of 12 to 17 year olds in Australia. Um, in, in that link there, um, they'll bring you to the website where you can um, get access to that program. So that's it for me um, for now, Jackie. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much, Marie. I mean, that's a, an amazing, <laughs> an amazing uh, summary and, and not just a summary, lots of, lots of really um, interesting information there. So um, incredibly, incredibly useful. Marie, we do have some questions. Um, so if you're, um, willing to 
willing to take some from the floor. <laughs> We've got some. One question in particular is about my child who has autism, so on the autism spectrum, and has bouts of really, really intense anxiety. What advice uh, do you have for some strategies that this mother can use with her? I think it's with her son. Yep, yep, sure. Um, I... I think the the biggest key, um, I guess, first thing to acknowledge um, is that um, children with um, um, autism spectrum disorders um, they are unfortunately more vulnerable to anxiety um, than children who are who do not have um, ASD. So, so you know, um, as, as this mom probably already is aware of, um, it's it's important to um, be prepared um, to to help um, your child with ASD um, manage the anxiety that they they are. Um, are perhaps more vulnerable to experiencing um, and they do tend to have quite intense bouts when they do get anxious. Um, so, so really the, the most important uh, kind of in summary that the most important step um, to, to take is to be um, prepared um, for those um, um, instances when the anxiety will emerge. Um, you know, over time, um, you are likely to have noticed, you know, um, some triggers that are more common for your child, you know, certain situations, certain um, um, scenarios, um, certain events um, among certain people, for example, um, that, that might um, cause your child to, to react um, and, and get more anxious. Um, so it's really important to kind of almost have a list of these um, um, situations which you know are likely to trigger your child. Um, and, and then alongside that, to also have a list of things that you, um, you can compile um, of um, either activities or, or things to do um, with you um, that is soothing and settling for your child. Um, so it's kind of, you know, being prepared for those situations if your child does get exposed to them. And then um, being prepared with the toolkit of, of um, things you can do to help settle your child. So, you know, finding out um, what it is that, um, that your child finds soothing and calming, you know, whether that's um, something physical um, or um, um, an activity that, that they can do to settle themselves or to distract them themselves, you know, for, from the, the triggering um, situation, um, to have that toolkit and actually practice and rehearse um, these um, these strategies with your child beforehand and outside of any even potentially triggering situations with your child. So the key really is um, be prepared, prepare, prepare, and prepare, and be and rehearse wherever possible with your child. And and that in itself could be actually really empowering for your child as well, um, so that they don't feel like you know it's just something that they have to succumb to. Um, but there are things that they can do on their own as well as with you um, as required. Um, so I would highly recommend, um, and, and again, this is something I could I could send um, through VPC, um, but there's um, the Raising Children Network website. Um, there is a specific um, page that is for parents of children with ASD and have really um, useful um, strategies there as well. That's a lot more detailed than I can cover here. Um, and hopefully that would be a useful resource for you as well if you haven't already got that. Oh, terrific, Marie. I think yes, yes, please. If you could send that link through, that would be uh, really helpful, I think. Um, Marie, we've just got a question. You were talking about courses that you've got for older teenagers. Is there something for the younger younger group, maybe, you know, around that sort of eight to eight to twelve, thirteen, was sort of more that tween tween group? Yeah, 
Yes. Um, well, I wish I could say yes, <laughs> but um, unfortunately, at this stage, um, we, we do have a program um, that is very similar to the Partners in Parenting one that's currently available, um, but that the other program is called Parenting Re Resilient Kids. Um, we have um, conducted research to evaluate its effectiveness, um, but we are not at the stage where we're able to make it available to, to the public as yet. So um, hopefully in the near future, um, and you know, all, all pending funding um, as these things go, um, but at the moment, no, unfortunately. But um, as I mentioned, the, um, the parenting guidelines, they are freely accessible. Um, so if you're after um, you know, kind of a document with key strategies, um, most of the, the strategies that I covered and way more um, are available in the set of guidelines that you can download. Brilliant. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, another question here is they've got a young one who has fearful thoughts. What can I do to help them? And I know that you spoke about uh, about dealing with fears, but this is what little one's saying um, is not able to actually um, articulate what the fears are. So some advice for, for this parent, please. Yeah, um, it's, um, it's a young child. Um, yes, young child. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it, it can be hard um, for for little ones to articulate how they're feeling, um, and and oftentimes it does get jumbled up with um, what they're thinking, and they can't really distinguish in between them anyway. Um, you know, some there are some strategies that um, that you could try, um, and. And one which, um, you know, I, I think I, I talked about uh, the last time as well is kind of the idea of playing detective, you know, so kind of making that as, you know, okay, we've got this, you know, it's like a crime, you know, and we're detectives and we're trying to solve this crime. Let's try to work out what it is that is making you afraid, um, you know, um, maybe have a list of possibilities and tick and cross that off, you know, as you go um, and kind of make it like a, a fun bonding activity as well. Um, there are also ways that you could kind of creatively try to encourage your child to talk and perhaps try to um, put put words into into their, their feelings, um, you know, so um, perhaps, you know, like kind of having uh, um, the, the genie question, you know, so if, you know, if we had a genie and we had three wishes about three things that you could um, remove um, that's causing you um, to feel afraid, what would those things be? Um, what other strategies? Um, uh, let me see. I'm just trying to think. Uh, I like yeah. That. So, or, or you know, you could go. Yeah. Sorry. No. Just I, it just came to mind. So yeah, if, if you were, you know, if you were interviewed by, um, say, a reporter, you know, what would what would you say are um, the three best things about, you know, um, whatever year level you're in, for example, um, and what are the three worst things, you know, and, and kind of doing it that way in, in, in like a fun activity um, that could help children to engage better as well. No, lovely. And I like that detective, that plain detective uh, strategy, because I think that that's at least it makes it a, a, almost a little bit uh, removed from the person, you know, they, they can actually sort of hypothesise about what it might be outside of themselves. Um, so here's, mm. a good one. here's a good one, Dr. Dr. Yap. <laughs> um, generating hopefulness for an unknown and uncertain future in this new world of viral fears and social distancing. How can we help our once confident child build up her confidence again? Mm. Um, yes, I, I, I kind of touched a bit on that um, towards the end of my presentation. Um, so I think what's really important is to help your child to um, 
identify and focus on what they can control. Um, and I mean, the, the same goes for all of us, isn't it? You know, there's so many things that are beyond our control. You know, we can't, we can't tell Dan Andrews what, you know, what he should allow and what he shouldn't. Um, it, but, you know, we, we work within the constraints. Um, so, you know, focus on what we are able to control um, and, and make sure that that includes things that actually um, are good for your well-being, you know, things that you enjoy. Um, and so likewise with your child, you know, things that um, she can feel proud of, things that um, give her a sense of achievement, um, whether that, you know, um, just in terms of, you know, personal achievements or even doing things to help others, you know, and, and, um, and, and find, get, getting a sense of, you know, kind of a positive reinforcement from that. And, and those, are, those are little things, the choices that she makes and the things that she does, those are things that she can control. Um, and, and, and then, you know, at the same time, you know, it will be fine as well to, to identify what you can't control um, and then to make that choice to go, well, you know, let's, in, in, in the meantime, you know, we will accept that let let that go um and and not get too absorbed by that um and and you know that's something this is a, a process or an activity that that you can do with your child as well um and and could be could be a fun activity or bonding activity to do um and as i mentioned as well you know to um it's really important to celebrate and praise little achievements um no matter how little they are um and to, to help build your child's confidence and you know if nothing else you know start with what she was confident in and then perhaps has stopped engaging in, for example, um, or, you know, she might have developed new interests um, over time um, and, and get her to engage in that, you know, um, and, and that can be her little realm of what she can control and influence um, and actually gain some sense of um, enjoyment and achievement from that. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Look, here's, some, here's an interesting one. I think this is, this is coming from a teacher. <laughs> um, how, can, how can I educate parents who don't believe in mental health issues in young people? It's a bit broad, but I thought maybe some gentle, maybe some gentle conversation starters that you might be able to uh, suggest. Yeah, um, yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, I, I think... Um, yeah. I guess I would be interested to know what it is that um, that's hindering these parents from believing that that mental health issues are real. Um, given how common mental health problems are in the community today, um, it's um, yeah, I suppose to an extent it is quite surprising. But at the same time, um, you know, our own research has shown that. Um, the, the general community's literacy about mental health and the reality of mental health problems um, is, is still no, no, nowhere near as, as, as good as um, we, we like it to be. Um, and because oftentimes it is tied with um, a sense of stigma and a sense of um, judging um, people with mental illness um, and, and, and stigma and, and judging um, on being judgmental um, is oftentimes linked to um, a lack of knowledge and understanding of what's going on. So, so I suppose, you know, um, um, passing on, you know, some um, educational information, um, you know, um, stats and facts, you know, about um, mental health problems in the community, including um, the prevalence of mental health problems in children um, and, and in young people, um, you know, it's, something that is um is i think quite undeniable um in in this day and age um and and actually to to address that up front perhaps um is, is also a really important thing um because oftentimes when we feel like or we fear that there's stigma we tend to we 
you know, withdraw from the topic. Um, so all the more important um, to actually speak about it um, up front. Um, and I suppose it's kind of facing the fear as well in a way. I think I think you nailed it. I think it is it's actually stigma, and also too, I think parents sometimes feel that it's a a poor reflection on them if there's a you know if there is an issue, unfortunately. So um, yeah, sure. Marie, thank you so much for all the work that you do in this area. Um, you're you're amazing. <laughs> You're amazing and thank you so much. You've been, a, you've been a fantastic stalwart for us during this year um, coming on and talking to us at VPC Live regularly. Um, it's been wonderful having you with us and having your and having your expertise. We really genuinely appreciate that. Um, so it's been, I think uh, everyone, we've got we've got some regulars that come onto your onto your talks, and I see lots of familiar names tonight in the <laughs> in the audience. So thank you, thank you again. Um, we we really do appreciate we do appreciate your time and your expertise. Um, look, uh, thanks everyone for joining us uh, this evening, and just a reminder that there is one more VPC live planned for this year um, on the 5th of November at 7.30pm. Um, we're looking at uh, self-harm and why teens do it and what parents and professionals can do to help. And we've got the very fabulous Michelle Mitchell who will be joining us for that event. So spread the word, register. And Marie, once again, thank you very much for joining us and uh, good night, everybody. Thank you to our guest speaker. We hope you enjoyed today's topic. Want to know more about this podcast and other VPC podcasts? Please visit the VPC website, vicparentscouncil.vic.edu.au and leave a review. We would also welcome you to contact us if you would like to be our guest or if you have a topic around parenting and education. Thank you to Melbourne singer Emma Sidney for her permission to use her soundtrack, Cherish. Until next time, thank you for listening.